Welcome to Living Orthodoxy, an invitation to a deeper life in Christ, a podcast of St. Philip Orthodox Church in Souderton, Pennsylvania, dedicated to connecting the liturgical and spiritual life of the Orthodox parish with the life of the Orthodox home, presenting the weekly homilies of our parish pastors, Father Noah Buscelli and Father James Thayer, as well as discussions of the liturgical year and Orthodox life and practice by Justin Gold and Jeff Hyatt. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Church has given us today, this fourth Sunday of Pascha, to reflect on the Samaritan woman, St. Fotini, uh, the enlightened one, the illumined one, who is also commemorated on, I think, March 20th and February 26th, though I, it's, I, I gather we have three commemorations of this uh, dear saint. So a blessed name day to all the uh, Fotinis in our in our congregation. Um, and more generally, the church has uh, given us to uh, reflect on the Gospel of John during this, this Paschal season, which we begin reading, of course, on during the Paschal liturgy itself. We begin with John 1, and the uh, we are taken back to uh, creation and before to the eternal life of God. And we are given to see that the whole purpose of the incarnation, Christ's uh, trampling down of death by death is the renewal of creation. The, the Logos, the Word, who is with God and who is God, who created all things, has come to restore all things. In the Acts of the Apostles, this restoration of all things is shown in terms of the uh, geographical spread of God's Word, the Word of God. So, uh, In Acts 8, uh, last week. So when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent the word of God. There it is, the key. Uh, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So the word of God spreads uh, from starting from Jerusalem, Pentecost, and spreads geographically through Judea and Samaria, and then on and, and to the end of the world and the ends of the earth. Uh, so Acts one eight gives us the key, the geographical key to the to the spread of, of the word of God of, of uh, the, the Christian faith uh, across the across the world to the end of the world. Um, of course, we are blessed today in the, in the lesson to hear of the word of God's arrival in Antioch, right, where Christians were first called Christians. It is interesting then to hear that we are given to read about the harvest of the gospel, the harvest of the apostolic ministry, as we prepare to celebrate Pentecost, the spring harvest festival. Uh, we prepare ourselves to celebrate that festival. May we be roused to follow the apostolic example uh, while also remembering that the word of God spread in and through persecution. Uh, so are we ready to be uh, driven out, uh, as it were, and uh, to, to share the gospel with, with others? So as we make our way here uh, this morning towards the Samaritan woman, uh, let us reflect a bit on John's gospel generally uh, as a particularly Paschal gospel? Why has the church given us this gospel to read during this Paschal season? And then I think we'll be in a position, I hope, to see how the Samaritan woman is a sign and symbol for us of Pascha, of the church's Pascha and of, and of ours. Just a touch of interesting background that for it's interesting to me. 
uh, with J uh, the Gospel uh, and the Apostle John, the Gospel of John and Pascha. Perhaps you're familiar with the, the in the early church, there was a, a controversy over the, the date of Easter, when, when Easter, Pascha, should be celebrated. Uh, in the tradition of John, the churches that were founded by John in Asia Minor, uh, the, the tradition was to celebrate Pascha on uh, the Nissan 14, the, the, regardless of what day of the week it fell on. So Pascha could fall on Thursday, right? And if that was Nissan 14, according to the, the Jewish uh, lunar calendar, that would be the day that uh, Pascha was celebrated on. Other churches, say in Egypt and Rome, uh, celebrated Pascha always on a Sunday. So this was a conflict in the, in the early church, different traditions of, of celebrating Pascha. And of course, so John's gospel, coming from the apostle John himself, uh, reflects this particularly paschal uh, emphasis. Uh, Christ is the Lamb of God, right? And the, some of the, the details of the crucifixion, the, the Passion Week, are particularly showing Christ is the, the paschal Lamb. But it's just fascinating that this, the, the church has given us to read this gospel during this paschal season. Um, and it has this distinct Paschal shape to it. Uh, another fascinating tidbit from this early church uh, time, that the question of the date of Easter was so important because it was attached to an expectation that Christ would actually return on Pascha. So you don't want to be celebrating Pascha on the wrong date if Christ is going to return on, on, on Pascha. So interesting that that's part of the urgency of the question. When should we celebrate Pascha? And we see that lingering emphasis, or not lingering, it's a pretty bold emphasis in, in, in Holy Week, the bridegroom matins, where we're you know, living, we're in expectation of Christ's return, uh, the bridegroom appearing. So... Father James' comments last night at Vespers brought in the gradual transformation of that uh, into a baptismal emphasis, where the preparation of catechumens for baptism and the Pascha itself is focused on this baptismal reception and ultimately the Eucharistic reception uh, of Christ. But So what is uh, Pascha? To evoke Pascha is to evoke the whole world of associations. Uh, freedom from slavery, the Paschal Lamb, the Red Sea, passing through the Red Sea, which are all related to God's work of recreating all things. The, the prophets talked about a new exodus, that God was going to do what he did for the first, in the first exodus, he was going to do again for those who were in exile, the, the Jews who were in exile in Babylon. Uh, and this is all cast as a work of recreating, not just not just Israel, but affecting all of creation, the restoration of all creation. That root of Pascha, in terms of the word itself, is the notion of passing over, passing by, or uh, crossing over. So this too is a fruitful symbol, uh, because in the first Exodus, there are several things. You know, the, the Exodus from, the, from Egypt, the Red Sea account, there are several things or several people who are passing over. God himself passes over or passes by Egypt, as does the destroyer. Interesting how those two figures are related. Passes over in judgment. Uh, Israel passes over or crosses through the Red Sea, passing from death to life. Israel as God's son is passing over, ascending to their father, 
ultimately to worship in Zion. The goal of the Exodus journey is always to enter the land, to ascend to Zion, to worship where God has set his name. So this passing over from idolatrous Egypt to the true worship of, of the one true God revealed in, in the Exodus. So I think John, the apostle, gives us the key to this Paschal reading of the gospel in Christ's words as he responds to Nathanael. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And I think this is the, the Passover that's going on throughout John's gospel. Uh, the word has descended so that the Logos has descended so that the Jews, the disciples, Nicodemus, uh, the Samaritan woman, and ultimately we ourselves can then ascend in and with him. We cross over from earth to heaven. Uh, from the shadow of the old covenant realities to the new covenant reality, the Christ himself, from flesh to spirit, from death to life, uh, in and with him. These are the conversions we see taking place uh, with Nicodemus. Entering the kingdom means being born again, not in literal terms, right, as Nicodemus kind of absurdly misunderstands, uh, but being born again in terms of water and the spirit. Um, reading the Old Covenant scriptures, keeping the Old Covenant festivals must now be understood differently because Moses was actually talking about me, Christ says. Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. I am the living water and the light of the world, thus fulfilling the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, so worshiping at the temple itself means not adherence to one exclusive place where God's presence is, but partaking of Christ's own body and blood. He whose body is itself the true temple. Uh, this Paschal theme though relates to, uh, moving closer to the Samaritan woman, the restoration of humanity itself. Christ is the true Adam, the new human. And I think we see in the gospel, he's in search for a new Eve. Uh, so, Pascha is about the recreation of humanity, the renewing of humanity. Christ is the new man, the new anthropos. And the, we're seeing in Christ's life the restoration of, of humanity according to the image of God. So, we, we hear Pilate in John 19, Behold the man, the anthropos. This is the true human. This is the true man which has to be connected to this Paschal reading, Behold the Lamb in John 1. John the Baptist cries out, Behold the uh, amnos, the uh, anthropos uh, amnos. Behold the, the man, behold the Lamb. Understood together, the, the Lamb is the, the true human, the man. So if Christ, uh, uh, Fotini herself says, Come see a man. Anthropos, who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? So if Christ then is the new Adam, who is the, the new Eve? Who is the woman? Well, we see a couple different women in, in John's gospel. Mary herself in John 2 at the wedding feast where he changes water to wine. Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Mary is the woman, the uh, 
John 19, when Jesus at the, on the cross, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Saint Fotini, Jesus in John 4, again, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the father. Uh, and we see in Fotini's, uh, the, uh, the account, a progressive ascent to her uh, receiving Christ as spiritual husband. This movement from prophet to more than the prophet to Christ and ultimately receiving her. St. Augustine, this, this is fascinating, he, who were the five husbands that, that St. Fotini had uh, beforehand. So he, he suggests that one reading could be the five husbands were the five books of Moses, as Samaritans, right? They, they uh, worship or they venerated, they uh, regarded the, the five books of Moses as the, as the uh, only scriptures of Israel. So the uh, Fotini moves from being married to the five books of Moses to Christ himself, who is the true substance of, of the law, right? Who is the law himself in a way. Or uh, the five husbands are the five senses that we have. Uh, I, every time I go to try to recount them, I can never, I always forget one. Touch, taste, smell, hearing, sight, I guess those are the five. Um, so she, she moves from being bound to earthly realities you know, she is passing over. She passes over from the earthly realities of the five senses to their spiritual reality, the spiritual referent of our spiritual, our, our spiritual sight, our spiritual taste, our spiritual touch, etc. Uh, of course, Christ Himself is the sixth husband. Uh, he is the, and of course, Adam created on the sixth day. Right. So uh, fascinating. This this marital kind of. Uh, spiritual marriage that's being portrayed here. Mary Magdalene in John 20 is the another woman. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you, who are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, of course, who was the first gardener in scripture? Adam, right? He tended the garden, the garden of Eden. Uh, so she supposes him to be the gardener. The, the new, the new anthropos, the new man, the new Adam. So, and she, she says to him, "Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where have you, where you have laid him, and I will take him away." So, these three, Mary, the Theotokos, Fotini, and Mary Magdalene, all are pictures of are merged together into a the new bride. They're the new Eve of the of the true human, the new anthropos, uh, Christ Himself. For us, as we transition to what can we take away from this, how can we live in, in light of these things, I think we have to say that the resurrection really has changed all things. All of creation has been transformed, raised up in Christ, even if we do not yet see all the effects of that transformation. And because of this, everything matters. Uh, all dimensions of our life are affected, the, the choices we make. Because, just like with the date of Easter, <laughs> the Pascha, we want to be as in step with this transformed reality as we possibly can. So that when the fullness comes, we're ready to receive it. Uh, this is a constant process, of course. Living in the tension between uh, the joyful new creation and the ongoing call to repentance that we are, are called to live out in the life of the church.
I think St. Fotini also shows us that it really does matter how we understand God, too. We must allow our minds to be shaped and transformed in and by the life of the church. Uh, we read the scriptures. We recite the creed constantly. We attend to the reading of, uh, readings and services because this is where the true God has chosen to most clearly reveal himself. And if we're not connected with that, if we're not in step with that, then we're going, we might miss uh, Christ as he appears to us. And finally... We want to be prepared to help bring in the harvest. This harvest theme shows up in, in the gospel and then acts as we prepare for Pentecost. So may we pre be prepared and prepare ourselves to help bring in uh, God's harvest at this time. Amen. Christ is risen. Indeed.